and rolling. Hello there, and welcome back to the A to Z No BS show. We're back at Andy's place around the kitchen table mm. with the whole family, the baby, the dog. Well, minus Megan. Megan's on her way. I think this girl just farted. You might catch that in the microphone. Oh, boy. Maybe. Your, your mic is... <laughs> your mic is pretty close. Well, speaking of uh, farting around the kitchen table, <laughs> our theme today is nutrition. Yeah. What, what we eat and how it affects us. Yeah. Well, this conversation spurred from conversations with my clients in the gym, and, and we were talking about this off air, that sometimes some of these nutrition things are, that seem so simple to us that everybody basically gets it, like everybody has a, a basic grasp. And then I was learning today that I might, I might be a little bit more highfalutin than I thought as far as like my thinking process with nutrition. So mm. we wanted to talk about nutrition and see if we could like, see if we can um, water it down. Bring it back to common Bring sense. Bring it back down a little bit. Um, to the, fun, the fundamentals. The fundamentals. Yeah. I had a lot of interesting nutrition questions today. I actually followed up with a couple of them via text. Mm -hmm. um, trying to think how base. How about we start with water? Well, I mean, you know, it's it's funny. It's you you mentioned that, like your your thinking is, I think I think you called it middle school. Right. <laughs> so not so to give I think to give both of us you know, uh, check both of our egos. I think it's safe to say that we both know our way around like nutrition and. Nutri and nutritional science more than the average bear. Right. Um, but it is a science. Yeah. And nutrition um, is, is kind of a moot conversation outside of its interaction with human biology. Right. Which is another obvious thing to say. So uh, nutrition can get university level pretty quick. Um, but I think even for as much as we know, we were probably still only at like a middle school level so to speak mm -hmm. and even that is probably more than what most people even need to understand yeah so to speak to live a, a healthy and and fit lifestyle so we're bringing it back yes we're bringing it back to preschool bringing it back to kindergarten talking about abcs and one two threes mm. hydration i think is a great place to start yeah and and oftentimes with new clients when we are talking about like nutrition hydration is usually the first place i start so andy van why is uh why is hydration important uh well, your body and your muscles is mostly made of water so replenishing that andy van my muscles are pure american iron i don't know <laughs> i don't know about you with a sprinkle of bald eagle in there yes it's, <laughs> and some fireworks it's full of freedom and, and some ammunition my some cannons gunpowder gunpowder <laughs> gunpowder and lead in yeah. these in these muscles yeah so i don't know what you're talking about all right well for the rest of us <laughs> it's not the t2 or whatever over here yep yep um yeah i mean like okay so water drink water um, basic cellular functions, um, organ systems, 
musculoskeletal system, water is pretty important. So drinking more water is a good place to start nutrition-wise. Again, this feels like a silly thing to even talk about out loud. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those things like, just like probably most people don't eat enough protein, most people probably don't drink enough water. Right. So um, more water is probably good. So if, you, if you're wondering if you drink enough water, maybe more than that. Sure. Um, but as far as like a general recommendation, I think what, like, when your pee is like light yellow is like good enough. Sure. Like if you're peeing clear, you're probably in the clear. In you're probably in the clear, but you probably don't need to be drinking that much water. If your pee is like orange, it's bad news. You know, it's bad news. You need to start powdering some water. Yeah. So, um, but you know, it's good for everything. So other function, muscles, joints, organ function, your pee. Yeah. Looks better. I mean, who doesn't want good looking pee? Who doesn't want good looking pee? You know. Um, and you know what's interesting? So, so then I think the question then becomes like, well, all right, well, what if I like, don't like just plain water? I think doing something like um, seltzer water, actually the literature supports the fact, like so you absorb seltzer water like you absorb regular, mm. un, unbubbly, no gas. In Europe, they call it with or without gas. Yes, gas or sin gas. Yeah. I um, had never even considered that there might be any difference and absorption but I, I think there's the speculation but no mm. the absorption is the same so if you like seltzer water better and it gets you to drink more water then drink seltzer water if you want to add like squeezed lemon or lime or they probably have those zero calorie um like the sweeteners or whatever yeah little if, squeezers yeah if that gets you to, to drink more water then go ahead i think it's also important especially in these hot summer months you know we're kind of in the midst of a real heat wave i think probably throughout most of the <laughs> throughout most of the world um so the more you're sweating whether you're more active or it's just you know hot out uh making sure your electrolytes uh are up to snuff i think electrolytes are the only other kind of piece of the Hydration game, right? You know, so you don't have to be one of these uh, people who are constantly pounding uh, liquid IVs all day or Gatorades, or or Gatorades yeah. for sure. But especially when you're sweating a lot, um, it can make a big difference. And I have had clients, at least anecdotally, note that their energy is better with just a little uh, sodium. Uh, you can throw in some uh, no salt which is just potassium mm. um, in there as well. Cause I think your sodium, potassium and magnesium, I believe are your big three electrolytes, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, I have found it hard to find uh, food grade magnesium that you can just sprinkle into your water, but. Well, I'll take pill form. With pill form, yeah. there you go. It helped me, I had eye twitch, like a eye muscle twitch for a long time. Mm. And when I started taking magnesium, it went away. And I like would have like random like muscles, spasm, not spasm, like like flutters. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, imagine that. But again, it's uh, probably not something that you really need to worry too much about. Obviously, getting in, getting in a good amount of water. I've also heard um, at least half your body weight in ounces a day is maybe a rule of thumb. 
but like many rules of thumb, I think it can be uh, can be maybe a good starting point. But I also think that uh, the color of your urine is kind of stands up as the ultimate test of how hydrated you're staying in real time. Right. Yeah. All right. So hydration. Where do we go from there? We're we're drinking our waters. Um, I'm trying to think. I feel like uh, let's just let's just dive into protein. Protein. I mean protein. Um, for a couple of reasons. So I had a client that I was working with this morning, and he has lost like forty pounds since we started working. Like about about a year and a half, two years. He, we're going on a while, and he's lost like forty pounds. And he's nutrition wise, he's been doing great. But he admitted today that he probably only eats between like forty and eighty grams of protein per day, and he weighs two sixteen. Mm. So, big bigger guy, and he lives with me three times a week, and he's eating, by most standards, way below probably what he should be eating protein-wise. Um, so, I talked to him about trying to correct that a little bit. Um, I, think the, I think the research shows that most people... <sighs> Despite the fact that most Americans eat a lot of meat, I still think most Americans are consuming an inadequate amount of protein. Mm, um, sure. And even then, those protein sources are probably in like more saturated fat form. Um, but you know, but like proteins, like building blocks of like muscles and tissue, right? And right. cells. Like protein is used in a lot of stuff. Your hair. You yep. have, you have great hair, like me. <laughs> um, so it's a, it, protein's building blocks. If you, you know, we've talked about this. Again, I'm trying to figure out how to keep, like, bring this all the way down to like kindergarten level. You lift weights and you break down muscle tissue, and protein is used to restore and rebuild that muscle tissue. Yeah. Well, I think if you really break it down to what are like the two things we're made up of, it's got to be water and protein yeah right because i mean protein is obviously your muscle tissue yeah bone uh, tissue, bone tissue i would assume tissue. right so pretty much all tissue is protein maybe maybe not, well not, not adipose tissue but not adipose tissue mm. yeah. um so yeah building blocks of everything and you know breaking down muscle tissue with training and then rebuilding it with protein that you ingest is a great way to get jacked and tan, right? Uh, as far as I know. As far as I know. <laughs> um, now that said, like you said, most people don't eat enough protein, probably are like inadequate in their intake. Um, you made a recommendation once, and I like it, about of just a solid 100 grams. is like a general rule of thumb, 100 grams per day. Right. Um, I think that's actually... Probably higher than what most people get, so I like that as like a a low bar that's still something to achieve. That still has to, you have to work a little bit to try to get there, right? Um, but a manageable goal. Um, going back to the case of this, my two hundred and sixteen pound client in the fitness world, we typically make the recommendation of one gram per pound of body weight, um, which in his case would be two hundred and sixteen grams of protein. That, without like sucking down like four protein shakes a day, that's really hard to do. Like, 
That's four 50-gram protein meals in a single day just to try to, like, meet that, that requirement. Yeah, so yeah, that's in, a lot. in practical terms, the one gram per pound of body weight is probably okay for most people most of the time. Like, your general – like, not the people we're running into at Gym 5. Like, the people who see us two or three times a week – like moderately physically active, the one the one point oh gram per pound of body weight is probably on the high side, and even with people who are physically active, it's probably on the high side. The recommendations actually been shortened down to like point six to point eight, right? Which in right. practical terms is much more manageable in terms of like achieving those goals. Yeah, and I think even you know the gram per pound certainly if you're like training super duper hard and and you know that whole thing that's probably something you need to shoot for but to kind of add on maybe one slight layer of complexity to that i think a a gram per pound of lean body weight is probably more in line with what people need so then you start talking about well what's your body fat percentage or at least estimated body fat percentage and so then you know you're subtracting you know, off of, off of that. So especially in the case of like a client who is overweight, let it, let's even say by, you know, 40 or 50 pounds. Well, yeah, you don't, you don't need extra protein requirement for all that extra adipose tissue. Right. We're really talking about protein needs for lean tissue needs. Obviously our muscles, obviously our connective tissue, our brains, organs, all that stuff that we need to, uh, to live. Well, and I wonder if that 0.6 to 0.8 is trying to like, kind of like inadvertently make that assumption. Yeah. Get in that ballpark. Right. Cause otherwise you would need to get like the most accurate would be like a DEXA, but you'd have to go get like a bod pod or an in body, some sort of scan that tells you what your body fat percentage is. And, and some of those scans have a, a, an error rate. So, like, even if you came back and you're like, oh, 20% body fat, there's probably still a plus or minus couple percentage points, which makes a difference when we're talking about trying to hit certain protein goals. So, instead of going and getting in bodies or bod pods or DEXAs, you could try to establish, uh, like, a, a reasonable daily amount of protein, kind of like your 100 grams. And try to hit that target, and then over time, see if you can like edge it up a little bit. Right. Right. Um, and you know, I think taking a step back from this general idea of like nutrition, these are like these are guidelines and recommendations, and you don't have to get it right 100 percent of the time. It's kind of like training. Like some days you're going to bring it, and some days you're not. But showing up is like the thing, the consistency being there, even when it's good or, or bad. Same with like nutrition. As long as you're consistent most of the time, then you'll achieve your goals. Right. So if if you don't hit, let's say, let's say your mark is 150 grams of protein a day, if you miss by 10 grams of protein, you're gonna be fine. Like, yeah. If you miss by like 75 grams consistently, then you know maybe we should talk about that. But 150 or whatever your number is, 100 grams a day is a general recommendation. Let's get in the ballpark consistently and then go from there right so protein important what are your favorite sources so i do have to come back to my cholesterol thing here in a second oh yes that's Um, right um i eat a ton of chicken 
like lean, as far as like lean protein goes, a ton of chicken. Love steak and pork tenderloin, but I need to come back to that in a moment. Mm. What about you? Definitely turkey and beef are like my top, like my top two sources. I'm basically either eating turkey or, or beef pretty much every single day. Okay. Why no chicken? You know what? I don't know if I've ever mentioned this. I lost my taste for chicken a couple years ago. What? I mean, I will still eat it. I still enjoy eating chicken. But, um, you know, it was like one day I was driving. Uh, I was on a road trip. I was getting super hungry. And I was like, oh, I should stop by Chick-fil-A. Everybody's favorite, you know, yeah. drive through And I stopped and I started thinking like, actually, I don't want Chick-fil-A. I don't want chicken at all. Huh. And I kind of stopped eating chicken about three or four years ago. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. But, I mean, obviously. That's just personal preference. That's like, just personal preference. Yeah. And chicken is obviously a uh, relatively cheap, easy to come by, uh, great source of protein, very lean. You can make it in a million different ways. Right. Even the pickiest of eaters usually can woof down at least some amount of chicken. Mm -hmm. So, well, yeah. it's fairly, you know, it's high in protein, which means it has calories associated with it, but it's low in fat. So, in terms of a protein, a high protein source, all all of these are great. Beef being the exception because it, depending on the the if you eat ground beef, if it's ninety ten or eighty twenty or eighty five fifty, whatever it is, with the exception of pork tenderloin and beef. And I guess fish would be higher in the fat category. All sure. of these sources are high in protein. I mean, they have calories, but otherwise low fat, high protein. So great sources. Yeah. And if you like to cook like I do, you can make all sorts of stuff with those base ingredients. Yep. And, and get your protein needs satiated while also satiating your palate. Mmm. Mmm. Love that. So yeah. Yeah. So obviously the only... The only thorn in the flower of protein is watching that tag along fat. Right. The, and cholesterol. Uh, so I have, and, to, I have to talk about cholesterol. this. Cholesterol. So. Tell you on Saturday, I had, I had my annual physical last week and got my blood work done and everything looked great with the exception of my LDL cholesterol being way high actually. Like... Normal levels is supposed to be under 100 milligrams per deciliter. Under mm -hmm. 100. Let's just say under 100. Kind of like a protein thing we said above 100. LDL should be below 100. LDL being low density. Lipoprotein. Lipoprotein. Yeah, bad cholesterol. Quote unquote bad yeah. cholesterol. HDL yeah. is good cholesterol. LDL is bad cholesterol. The kind of cholesterol that clogs up your arteries and gives you a heart attack. That kind of cholesterol. Low density. Yeah. Low density lipoprotein. Um, normal values or healthy values are below 100. Slightly elevated is between like 100 and 129 or something. Mm -hmm. And then 130 to 159 is elevated. I don't think it really becomes alarming until you like break 160. Mine was 155 milligrams per deciliter. Mm. It was up there. Um, this, despite being relatively young, 35, Physically active, physically active job, drink mostly water, avoid, I say I avoid, I don't really gravitate towards sweets that much, so I don't eat a lot of like, I don't eat donuts or like, I have, there's brownies in my fridge right now, but 
I don't typically have sweets. I don't eat potato chips. I don't eat fried chicken or fried anything, really. I don't eat a lot of pizza. Point is, by and large, I do a lot of really healthy things, but I have been eating more pork tenderloin because it's high in protein and it tastes good, but it's that fatty red meat and I might have to cut that back. Right. Unfortunately, because it tastes good. Well, these are the these are the sacrifices we have to make in the in the interest of long-term health, I suppose. Well, and, and this goes into, and I, sent, I wrote an email today that'll go out to my clients tomorrow, but the basic gist of all that to, to say, if you don't really know, you should probably get checked every now and then, just to make sure your, your stuff's not out of whack. And then, of course, correct as needed. So it's right. kind of like fat loss, you know, it's not linear. Make adjustments so that you can, you know, figure that all that out. Same with my LDL problem. I'm going to start upping my walking and I'm going to lower my red meat intake and I'm going to lower my alcohol intake because alcohol is a contributing factor. Right. Well, I will be uh, super curious to see how it trends. I mean, I'll probably, unless I like decide to go get another physical, it'll be another year. But my, but that, all that to say, my LDL wasn't just high this year, it was high last year too. Mm. So it has remained elevated for over a year. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, back in the old lifetime days, we would do a finger prick blood test. Mm. And I'm pretty sure we got I'm pretty sure we got both cholesterol numbers. Yeah. From HD, it. Well, you get total and then HDL and LDL and even my total cholesterol. So that, that to say all of these things aren't like don't take these points as like a, in a vacuum. My HDL cholesterol, which is good if it's over 40, was like 65. Mm -hmm. The combined high HDL and high LDL, one of those being a bad thing, my total cholesterol, however, was actually within reasonable values. So if I only looked at the LDL cholesterol, I would think that I was doing something wildly wrong. By and large, I'm doing a lot of things right. I could just be doing things a little bit more optimally, I suppose. Sure. So, yeah, careful with just like that one bit of information. Right, right. And that is the tricky thing, you know, speaking to where we came out with the opening uh, salvo here is that you very quickly can like dive down the rabbit hole and and each each data point spider webs into another data point right you know when when we're talking about blood work when we're talking about biology when we're talking about you know how how your nutrition and obviously training and other lifestyle factors actually affects things like cholesterol or blood pressure or, you know, even like your body weight, your body composition, all this stuff. Right. So talking about cholesterol, talking about HDL, we're, we're really flirting with uh, fifth, sixth grade knowledge here. Okay, so keep bring it back down. Eat some, eat some fish. <laughs> Put some fish in that list of lean proteins. Put your fish on what, the list. What's your favorite fish? You know, I actually just had, um, I actually just cooked uh, salmon for the first time in a long time. Dude, the I other love day. salmon. Uh, salmon is great. Okay. Salmon is great. How'd yeah. you cook it? I uh, just broiled it. Okay. Mm -hmm. In the cast iron? 
Mm -hmm. Bro, that's the best. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's my favorite way to do it right now. Yep. Had it with some uh, cheesy fettuccine. Check out, re when you listen to this, look this up mm. later. Um, there's a, a recipe, I don't remember where I saw it, but it's, I think it's, if I have it, I'll send it to you. I gotta look. It's like a salmon and burst tomato oh. recipe. Basically salmon and a bunch of cherry tomatoes that you saute in the cast iron, and then you burst them down, and then you burn off a little bit of that fluid, so it becomes like a tomato-y sauce. Still liquidy, not like... Not super viscous. It's mm -hmm. really, anyway, it's really good. Tomato oh, with burst tomato, tomato, salmon with burst tomatoes. All right. I got to get back on my Andy's Eats game. I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't really either, but. <laughs> um, all right. So, Sam, I love salmon. There's not a lot of white fish out there that I like. Cod is okay, but I haven't found a good way to cook it that I like. Like mm -hmm. a lot. Not enough to, like, have it in rotation every week. Um, tuna steaks, I love. Tuna is the bomb diggity. Yeah. And it's yeah. super easy. Like, sear it for, depending on the size of the cut, sear it for 90 seconds-ish, not even, 60 seconds-ish per side, and then slice it against the grain, mm. and then throw it across some, like, salad mix. That's the move. High protein, low fat, low carb, low calorie, all that, relatively. Dude, it's, uh, it's a true superfood. Again, I don't want to be a little... Debbie Downer here. Just got to watch those mercury levels. Right, yeah. Same thing. Yeah, there's eating, always, like there's tuna, always something. Yeah, you know, eating tuna every day, you might run into some problems, but yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Probably not likely, but if you're someone who's like, you know, a sushi fiend. Right. You know, every now and then you do hear of people like getting mercury poisoning. Yeah. Which uh, you get typically from uh, larger fish. Because the larger fish eat the smaller fish, and that's, and all the trash, and all the <laughs> and all the trash that we're throwing in the ocean, right? So all the microplastics in your body, right? Yep, now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, if you stick to the uh, smaller fish, like your uh, sardines, then uh, you're usually in the clear with that mercury issue. My dad and my brother can eat sardines out of the can. I think it's disgusting. I was gonna say, I think that's a real like grandpa move. Yeah, like eating. It's gross. Just eating those sardines. That's, yeah, it's nasty. <laughs> All right, moving on. All right, moving on. Um, I, I wanted to jump on carbs before fats, and the only not the only reason, one of the reasons is, um, I was telling one of my clients today, I was like, if you if you think about tracking calories, like using my fitness pal, getting a food scale. I was like, any vegetable that's not a starchy carb. So as long as it's not potatoes, corn, I'm trying to think about the start rice, pasta, pasta, those things track because they do carry with them a lot more calories. Mm -hmm. But any other vegetable would technically constitute a carb, right? That bowl of vegetables right behind you. There's lemons, limes. Onions, there's potatoes back there, so those don't count. But those vegetables, the vegetables in my drawer over here, the, the broccoli, the carrots, any bell pepper, they are so few in calories, they're so scarce in calories that I tell my people, I'm like, don't track it, just eat a ton of it. Mm -hmm. Whatever vegetable that, again, is not the, the ones that don't count, all of them. Every single vegetable you can eat, all of them. And yeah. same, with, same with most fruits. 
Nobody ever overconsumes like strawberries. No one's sitting there sure. smashing into a bag of strawberries like they do potato chips, right? Right. So, strawberries, blue, whatever berries, bananas, like those, those have a lot of carbs. Any vegetable, leafy green, whatever, eat a ton of it as much as you want. And for all intents and purposes, let's say they're zero calories. They're not. But let's just say they are. Like bell peppers, you know, what, you know how many calories are in an, an entire bell pepper? I'm going to guess 30. It's about 25. <laughs> sure, depending on the size of the bell pepper. Yeah, a whole bell pepper is about 25 calories. Yeah, So because it is mostly water. Water. Yeah, look at that. But I think they taste good. I love them. And I like to slice them into like like french fry kind of shape mm-hmm. and snack on that because it's crunchy. Yeah. And it tastes good. And I can eat a ton of it and not get a lot of calories. Right. Obviously not get fat. <laughs> Technically not get fat. So anyway, point. So carbs exist. Uh, we should, we should, I'm going to let you take this one. Like, like performance in carbs. Sure. Specifically weight training in carbs. Sure. Yeah, so we, we operate, obviously, on um, ATP. So here we go. Sugar. Here we Just go. I'm, sugar. I'm still, I'm, let, me, let me bring it down. We can't be talking about phosphocreatine. Oh, and man, the Krebs cycle. Krebs cycle. We can't be talking about that. That's, right. that's graduate level stuff. Well, when, we, when we're active, oftentimes, specifically in the context of working out, lifting weights, we're essentially burning glycogen or sugar as a shorthand. Right. And uh, certainly your body can produce its own glycogen through glyconeogenesis. Mm-hmm. Sorry, let's bring it back down to kindergarten. Yeah. Your body can make its own sugar. Yeah. Um, it's a laborious process. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But obviously when you consume carbohydrates, you have... Uh, more immediately available glycogen uh, available for your body to use for energy. Right. And so the big, the big bugaboo with strength training, um, when we're talking about the carbohydrate conversation, is you definitely need a certain base amount of carbohydrate to perform at your best. Right. We could really say that you know, carbs, carbs are always like this weird, it's like the weird macro that everybody likes to talk about when it comes to like fad diets, Mm -hmm. no carb, moderate carb, always talking about carbs. And the thing is, is that protein is very necessary. Mm -hmm. Water is obviously necessary. Fat is very necessary. Mm -hmm. Those are all the things that are necessary for you to like survive as a human being. The wild thing is, is that, again, because your body can create its own glycogen, you can live as a human being without consuming any carbohydrates. Live? Maybe live live in quotation marks. Right. Thrive? I don't know. Thrive? Fucking kill it in the gym? No. That's that's where your internet uh, marketers might have other things to say. But for practical purposes, for leading um, a life where you're not like either checking your ketones or otherwise just living in a, a gray haze of like 
poor energy. Well, you know why, right? Why what? Your brain is the largest consumer of sugar. Yes. In the human body. That's it. That's it. So, like, uh, yeah, exactly. So, one of the reasons why eating carbs is so important is not only for, like, your general, like, well-being, feeling of good energy and performance. It's also so that your brain can mm -hmm. operate at its you know, optimal capacity. Misfiring on three cylinders or whatever without carbs. That's it. <laughs> That's it. So yeah, and, and therein lies, yeah, therein lies the rub because carbohydrates are, are essential in that way, I would argue, for, for optimized performance and just well-being. Um, the only tricky thing that you have to also consider is just that carbohydrates being um, like the delivery mechanism oftentimes, uh, at least in American culture, is a lot of times in processed foods mm. or foods that also have a lot of tag-along fats, mm. ice cream being my favorite. Sure. Right? But we don't even need to go too far down that rabbit hole because if we emphasize your non-starchy vegetables, um, to a large degree, even your starchy vegetables, your, mm -hmm. your rice, your potatoes. Because yeah, there's still vitamins and minerals and... and Lots of stuff that you need. Uh, yeah, fiber. Thank you. Fiber, very, very important. Yeah. So, yeah, I think oftentimes carbs get a bad rap because, you know, uh, a lot of kind of like fear-mongering folks will, you know, demonize the carbs that are in all sorts of processed foods mm -hmm. and you know maybe rightly so but again keeping things simple your fruits and your veggies your starchy carbohydrates in you know reasonable amounts you know these are the things that are going to fuel your performance probably have you feeling your best because these are uh, foods that are high in fiber high in vitamins and minerals mm -hmm. uh, which makes us helps us to grow up big and strong yeah. So, yeah, that's that's the long and the short of the of the carbohydrate controversy slash conversation. Yeah, I love carbs. You know, it's interesting about going back to like tracking nutrition, tracking foods and stuff. I would have we've talked about this before. I would have sworn up and down that I I ate plenty of carbs, and it wasn't until I actually like accurately with like a food scale and like weighed stuff out, not eyeballed it, weighed it that my carb intake was like actually abysmally low. Mm. I just didn't gravitate towards, let's say starchy carbs or a lot of fruit. I, like I eat fruit some, but not like, the recommended daily amount is what, two, three, four servings of fruit a day. I have a banana and some blueberries in my oatmeal. So like that, as far as my carb intake, that's like, that's the vast majority of it right there. Right. So fruit and oatmeal. Yeah, that's not that. Truthfully, it's not a lot. So, if you're curious, if you're even consuming that many carbs, I would just say track it for a while with your typical foods and find out because you might not be. Yep. And if your performance in the gym sucks, bump it up like 50 grams a day and see what happens. Probably gonna feel pretty good. Right. Bird. Dig it. And we got fat, right? We gotta talk about fat. We got. I'm just. I'm just laughing at uh, how that sentence actually looks on paper. We got fat. Period. We got fat.
I'm just gonna, yes, we did. <laughs> I'm just going to name the podcast episode that we got fat. We got fat. And other period. nutrition things. Um, again, going back to like basic chem- body chemistry, that fat is a useful tool for cellular function. It can also be detrimental to your, like there's not good fat floating around your body. N- not even just um, subcutaneous. The fat underneath your skin mm. is not awesome if you have a lot of it, but the fat in, or in and around your organs, visceral fat, is really where a lot of health problems arise. So if you're overweight by 40 or 50 pounds, yeah, there's a lot of risk there, especially carrying a lot of that fat in and around your organs. Right. So, right. but in moderate doses, um, so, saturated fats, mm. well, getting a little bit highbrow here, mm. saturated fats are solid at room temperature. So think like butter is a saturated fat, avocados is a saturated fat. Unsaturated fats are liquids at room temperature. So like olive oil or avocado oil or every other cooking oil out there, I guess. Right. Now again, in excess, Oh, we should have done this. Protein Mm. carries four grams or four calories per gram. Mm -hmm. Carbohydrates carries four calories per gram. Fats carry nine calories per gram. So over two times as many calories per gram of fats um, versus the other macronutrients. So you can see where it's easy to overconsume that. Going back to your ice cream example. Yep. Mm. Love that ice cream. What's your, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, I, I'm i a vanilla guy. You're the kind of guy that goes to a bagel shop and gets a plain bagel with plain cream cheese. When they have an infinite number of bagel flavors and an infinite number of cream cheese flavors, you're like, I'm the guy that has plain on plain. I, I you love, guys drive me crazy. I love how Andy <laughs> stereotypes me, <laughs> pigeonholes me, discriminates against me. When's the last time you had a bagel? Oh, I can't eat. Uh, I can't remember specifically last time I had a bagel, but I always order everything bagel. Okay. Cool. Everything bagel and jalapeno cream cheese Holy when shit. they have it. That is a bomb combination. See? It's there so we go. Good. But now you didn't let me finish my, my <laughs> ice, cream? ice cream. I like vanilla as a base. Okay. And then I typically like either something like uh, um, cookie dough. Okay. You know? That's Megan's... Uh... I think that's Megan's favorite is cookie dough. Yeah. So I, I pretty much like almost any ice cream that has vanilla as a base and almost anything like lumped in as a topping. So, oh man. I mean, when we're talking about Ben and Jerry's, um, Americone Dream is one of my favorites. It's got like uh, waffle, like, uh, waffle uh, crust uh, oh, okay. pieces in it, that kind of thing. Uh, there's the, uh, I think it's the Chunky Monkey. Is there one with like fudge swirled into it? Like chunks of fudge swirled in? Yes, yes. Oh yeah, you have your brownie, like brownie pieces in there. Okay, I like that. Yeah, I like that. So now here, okay, here we go. This is the everything bagel version. (laughs) Yes. Okay, this is better. Yes. So, all that to say, I don't know how we get. Talking about fat. 
talk about talk, talk about like, how we got fat. How we got fat. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so fat is another one of those essential macronutrients. And you know, again, like there's, you know, everything kind of has, you know, everything kind of has like a rub to it, so to speak. Like there's, that, this is why this saying like everything in moderation holds some amount of, you know, everlasting truth. Yeah. Because no one thing is, is perfect. You know, even even your fruits and vegetables in unlimited amounts, you know, can 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 be problematic. Yeah, if you eat too many carrots, you're gonna turn orange. That's it. <laughs> uh, and that's just embarrassing. Right. Or too many blueberries, you turn blue like that girl in Willy Wonka. Yeah. Yeah. Now uh, we're scaring the kids into not eating their vegetables. I know. I should <laughs> I should not have even have have mentioned that, but. Yeah, so fats, fats are super important, um, and that's one of the things that you see, you know, a lot in, you know, people who, who, you know, severely limit fat. I mean, that could have all sorts of, you know, health, uh, you know, negative health consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like you had brought up saturated versus unsaturated fat, not all fats are created equal. Um, and then specifically, you also have your, uh, your omega-3 fats, mm-hmm. you know, versus your omega-6, you know, fats that uh, we get in fish. So that's why things like fish or krill oil um, can be uh, useful mm-hmm. because, uh, yeah, if you're not someone who eats fish all the time, maybe because you're paranoid of uh, your mercury poisoning, which I'm sorry that I brought that up as well, Yeah, um, that's where like a, you know, a fat supplement you know, as goofy as it is to say, that's, you know, fish oil is a fat supplement. Mm-hmm. But obviously, it's a very specific uh, type of fat. Um, but yeah, no, in general, fat is one of those macronutrients that is uh, oftentimes very easy to get in your diet. Mm-hmm. And because we've got nine calories per gram, um, as opposed to four, like we do with the other macronutrients, um, it can be very calorie dense calorically dense right so that's why like a lot of times like a lot of high fat foods are not in and of themselves you know unhealthy we're talking about avocados we're talking about nuts mm-hmm. um even you know fattier cuts of meat mm-hmm. as as we've talked about it's just that in no time those calories can go can can really really add up right and you know when we're talking about, I mean, this is something that I talk about with clients a lot also is, you know, when you're eating out at restaurants, a lot of times the reason that a restaurant meal tastes so much better than the meal that you eat at home is all of the oil and the butter mm-hmm. that they're oftentimes using uh, in the kitchen. Right. And obviously that carries with it higher fat content, higher caloric content. Um, in smaller, you know, you know, per bite, you're getting yeah, in, you're sizes. getting in more, right. uh, more calories per bite in that way. Um, so those are some things that, you know, again, pros and cons of everything or not even pros and cons, but, but the reason why, um, you know, fat exists in the world, um, is because you need it. God gave it to us. Mm. God bless us with tasty, tasty fats. Mm-hmm. Obviously, tasty proteins and carbohydrates as well. Um, but yeah, especially if you're someone who, um, 
is either looking to lose or maintain or manage your weight, your fat intake can oftentimes be like a hidden mm-hmm. make or break uh, part of the formula. Oh, yeah. Well, and to bring this into like a real world example, I was telling, talking to a client today about like a Chipotle, she was going to go to Chipotle for lunch. And adding the guac to your Chipotle bowl can easily be a 300 to 500 calorie swing because it's mostly uh, avocado. I mean, a, a, a good fat, but in excessive quantity. Now, if you eat Chipotle once every now and then and you want guacamole on your bowl, go for it. Who cares? If you eat Chipotle every day or a lot, like a lot, and you're trying to watch your caloric intake, then I would probably forego that three to 500 calorie addition in, in the guacamole. Or, I don't see, I wouldn't do this either because you're paying for it regardless. Cut it in half, see if they'll give you like a half portion. I doubt they're gonna charge you any differently. So if they're gonna mm. charge me, I'm probably gonna get the whole, whole giant scoop. Right. But I don't know, and the point being that you can go out to eat, you can eat out and you can navigate that in a healthy and productive way that's that's um, still fun because you're still fun to go out and hang out and do stuff with, but also like watching how your caloric intake and your fat intake and it's conducive to your fitness goals or whatever. Right. Yeah, you know, the move there could be uh, getting uh, double chicken and then just splitting it into two meals uh-huh. and then your single serve guac, you could split up. Oh, buddy, look at you. You're a Chipotle pro over oh, here. Oh, man. I was thinking double chicken. See, I still like the rice. And honestly, white or brown rice carries so few calories in that portion that I don't really, I count it, but I don't really think about it that hard. Um, double chicken, rice, beans, tons of, you know what they don't do? They don't double charge you for more fajita veggies. Mmm, ah. double veggies. And double veggies and onion and bell pepper, we talked about this, have very few, if any, calories. So double the veggies. Oh, and the pico, the, yeah. the mild, whatever, I call it pico. Their mild salsa is mostly tomato and onion and cilantro. There you go. They also don't double charge for that. There you go. So if you want to increase the volume of your Chipotle order without increasing a lot of calories, there's a couple little hacks right there. There you go. Um, but I had this conversation with another client. He wanted to go out to lunch, and I was like, look, a couple, couple things. I was like, lean proteins first, whatever that is. Like, it's chicken, fish, start with that. And not, like, battered and fried or whatever. So, like, if it's grilled chicken, grilled fish, start there. And then behind that, as many vegetables as you can fit on a plate or fit in a meal, whatever they're serving. Here's another example. Let's say you're going to ML Rose. They have burgers. Mm. They also have some bomb salads. If you want a burger, get a burger. I'm not saying every day. Maybe maybe every like other week you're going to ML Rose or wherever to get your, your burger fix. You don't have to get fries on the side. You can get grilled uh, broccoli. Or they might have a vegetable side or a side salad. Mmm. So we're still still enjoying a cheeseburger every now and then. But instead of compounding that meal with french fries, get some vegetables. Side veggie, whatever that is. Not necessarily sweet potato fries with the barbecue on it, even though it's really good. Not that, either. (laughs) Not that. 
But anyway, as far as navigating, like being, like going out and, mm -hmm. and eating food, if you're looking to reduce caloric intake or reduce fat intake, lean protein, grilled, whatever, on the front end, back it up with a ton of vegetables, and you're probably okay. It doesn't get any more simple than that, folks. I'd like to think so, but then I forget that people struggle with it, so here we are. And yeah, maybe have a glass of water. You've done great on that. I did not. I left mine. Dude, I, people make fun of me with how much water I drink. I am a water fiend. I, yeah, well, not everybody's a, a bastion of physical perfection. No, they, no they're not. So maybe they hey, should drink some more water. Ne hey, neither am I. <laughs> neither am I. Yeah. Yeah, if only, uh, yeah, if only the water made up for everything else. But that's another conversation. <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, good stuff. Um, I think we kept it as basic as we could. Yeah. I'm trying yeah. to think if there's anything we missed. Well, there is certainly lots more to be had. Oh, I think sure. we could. There's entire nutrition podcasts out there. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. You start. You start talking more about vitamins, minerals, fiber is another kind of. I think you know. I I think when we came up. I don't really know how much you got into the whole if it fits your macros movement. Uh, fringe, anyway. But you know, about 10 years ago-ish, that's when that like really was taken off. And I, I like the idea of being quote-unquote like scientific because you know, the, the scientific training community, I put all that in air quotes really latched on to the if it fits your macros approach because it was all math. It was, it was all calorie math. yeah. And so then you had like people with six packs eating donuts. And that was like kind of the cool thing. Right. That was like the aesthetic is you could like eat junk food and be ripped. Yeah. So and long as it fit within these so long as these narrow parameters. If it fit your macros. And we still, I think, see that, you know, to some degree in some, you know, corners of the fitness industry. But it always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Because I was like, I see, I see what you're doing. And I see how it can work when you are in it. When you are tracking. When you're right. training. When you're someone in this community. But I don't think that that's a healthy idea to be spreading to the general population it's almost like with great power comes great responsibility sure and with you know with the knowledge of you know macros why why does that have to then devolve into like eating like trash well i know why because that's what gets clicks on the internet sure <laughs> so but all that to say um one of the things that i think oftentimes gets left out of the conversation is Fiber is right. vitamins and minerals, which when you're 23, you don't give uh, royal rats behind about your fiber intake. But maybe when you get to be a man of a certain age, mm. maybe these are the things that actually like do count and do start moving the needle. And you know, when you're going in for your annual checkup. You know, your doctor is not going to be uh, impressed with the fact that you uh, can eat six donuts a day and also have a six pack. 
Well, and I think before we get into like behavioral science, I think there's a, we have to be careful because what we're talking about is quantifiable nutrition, which could be neurotic. Yes. And superseding qualifiable. And I'm using that word just to like sound cool. Mm. But like if nutrition were only nuts and bolts, calories, fats, whatever, like, like you're a robot then it would be easy, right? Like, figure out your caloric needs, figure out your protein intake, and then as long as you fit those macros and you eat, want to eat a donut, great. But it's sort of taking this, like, for some people that might work, for a lot of people it works great. For some people it now takes just the act of eating and turns it into this calculation. Sometimes maybe I just want to eat a donut because I don't typically eat donuts. So maybe today I just feel like having a donut and I don't give a shit how many calories are in it. Or let's say I'm hanging out with a friend I haven't seen in a while and we're supposed to grab a beer after work and I'm like, well, you know, can't have a beer because it's not going to fit my macros. It's like, fuck that, you know? So I do think that there's a time and place for using scales and calorie counting and macro, like in fitting, every, like doing that. I also do believe that that approach completely ignores the other component of nutrition, which is how like culturally and socially and whatever in, intertwined it is in our lives, right? Totally. You and I used to drink, used to, we've, we've aged. We used to drink a beer during this podcast all the time. So we didn't drink that beer and be like, oh, you know, let me make sure I track it in my app. It was about part of the podcast. We're having fun. We're shooting the shit. We're drinking a beer. It was more than this beer is calories and carbs, and I must consume it to turn it into energy or whatever. It was more than that. It superseded that. That's why I use the word qualifiable. You can't qualify this time that we have hanging out together, shooting the shit, right? So that's where I, this, to me, it gets a little bit boogered up. Because I do think there's a time and place for it. And I also think there's a time and place to say, fuck all that. I'm just going to have a beer with my buddy and shoot the shit. Or a donut. Or whatever. Or a giant popcorn and watch Barbie. I like the sound of that. Well, Andy Van, all this talk about food has really worked up an appetite that for me over here. So with that, we'll call it a day. This has been the A to Z No BS Show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.